2: is the pack a day podcast
1: what's going on packers fans welcome into another saturday meteorology edition of the pack a day podcast i am matt fralick alongside me once again is my friend paul Bredel. paul unfortunately jason's missing out on us and you know i, I want to poke a little bit of fun that i've been on a few episodes and all of a sudden he's just absolutely just Left me. He he has left me with you. Unfortunately, it's for something serious. Um, had a death in the family. He's not coming to visit us. He's not traveling for a wedding. So I imagine he'll be back next week, uh, going into week five as we discuss the matchup versus Cincinnati Bengals. But it's okay. I have you. I have myself. We have some media, or excuse me, some weather updates. We have a lot to get to as far as the injury fund and previewing, uh, previewing the. Week 4 matchup versus the Pittsburgh Steelers in Lambeau Field. Paul, hell of a week. It was pretty solid. Unfortunately, we got some bad news come Friday, but overall, how was your week?
2: It was good, but like you said, until uh, the, we hear about the Friday news dump in the NFL and the Green Bay Packers were active participants in that, unfortunately, it was all injury-related.
1: It seems to become a common theme, though, too. Like, the last couple of weeks, yes. I feel like every week, we're just someone banged up here, banged up there. I mean, I don't want to say there are any, like, every single one of them has been an absolute superstar. This week kind of seems that way a little bit more. But no one really on, like, the low end of the uh, of the roster. So, it's it's been a lot of impact for the Packers. We'll see how they deal with it going into week four, as I mentioned. But... Paul, we we know what people are coming for. Some people said they skip through this and they scrub through this. Thankfully, the podcast apps let you just tap, tap, tap. But if you really want to get the weather info, that's why you listen to the Saturday Packaday Podcast Crew. Paul, I'm gonna start here if you don't mind. I we got another Great. one coming in from our buddy Harry. You know, like Harry's the guy, and like I told you before recording, I'm gonna have to. If Harry's gonna be a staple in this, I really got to make him feel at home here. I'm gonna come up with some facts, if you will, about Kamloops, Canada. Uh, it is in British Columbia. I found that out which province, but. What I really like, I think I said the first episode when Jason announced it, where this guy was from. Like, where is Kamloops, Canada? I wonder how many people are there. Well, I finally took the time a couple weeks later to actually figured it out it's almost a hundred thousand people. There's estimate in two thousand nineteen. So, like you said before we recorded, right around the same size as Green Bay, Wisconsin. But our man Harry says, beautiful sunny day while he picks apples and mows the lawn. This is on Friday. Saturday increasingly cloudiness. High of sixty four. Low of forty six. And he says, does anyone know where Adam Stenovich has a bar tab that someone could buy him some drinks after last Sunday's <laughs> performance? I know our friends at Game Wisconsin with Lombardi's Bar. They could probably accompany that. I don't know where Adam Stenovich hangs out. I, I, I could guess maybe it's um, Lenny's Tap. We saw them preview on Monday Night Football, that little segment. Uh, maybe he just goes right across the street at Krolls, maybe to Stadium View. I'm not sure where Adam Stenovich find or his saloon is at Harry, but if I find that scuttlebutt, butt, which isn't too tough in Green Bay, I will surely pass that along to you. Paul, you have another distant weather report. Where is yours from and what is the weather looking like there?
2: So I got a message from Robin Erickson. He's from southeastern Norway, rural Norway, about an hour's drive from Oslo. He says it's been rained for five straight days. Temperatures are in the 50s. That's Fahrenheit, so about 10 degrees Celsius, he says. And it's fall there, just as it is here stateside. And he's been digging ditches to keep uh, their local gravel roads from going under, from disappearing from all the rain. So stay dry out there, Rob, and hopefully that clears up for you.
1: Sounds like Robin could accompany Adam Stenevich at that bar just to have <clears> another maybe something at the end of a long day. That sounds miserable. So hopefully this Pack a Day podcast is giving you some joy. Hopefully the Packers can pull out a win as well for you, Robin. We appreciate you listening, supporting. You know, a little icy hot on the back. Maybe relax. Make sure you're uh, you're, you're you're staying limber out there. Uh, we got to talk about the Packers though. We got we have we have weather here coming on Sunday. Obviously, it looks like right now. I've been following this all week. Paul, we got some rain in the forecast Saturday rain. I heard maybe now it's Sunday into maybe sun early Sunday morning. I I don't, I don't like the thought of the Packers playing versus the Steelers in the rain. I know the, the, you know, the Steelers haven't been too good on offense, but I feel like they can rely on this offensive line and this run game a little bit. However, looking at what they've done this far this year, that's not the case. They've gotten definitely away from those days of Le'Veon Bell, Rashard Mendenhall, whatever running back they've been able to fit in there and run the ball a bit. It's basically now on the hands and the shoulders of Ben Roethlisberger, who threw the ball frickin' 53 times last week. So let's look at the weather here on Sunday. It is a 325 start. So like I said, that early morning weather should probably clear up when we want it to. It won't be as too sloppy morning 66 afternoon 81 evening 66 degrees i, I imagine it's going to be pretty dry come game time I, 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 overall if it becomes a sloppy game is there are you concerned at all paul if that if that beca- does become an issue
2: um I, I guess i think anytime that the there's weather elements involved that uh, it, it obviously can affect the game so it's definitely something that we need to keep our eyes on but i mean pittsburgh they're a you know, a northern team as well. They play in the cold, the rain, all that stuff. So the, if, if that does happen, the, the, we'll see a team that's likely accustomed to it. And, you know, unlike the Detroit game, if you remember, it started to sprinkle or rain a little in that second half. And we saw that actually played a role in uh, Jared Goff fumbling the ball. You know, Jared Goff coming from the L.A. Rams. Now with the Lions who play indoors, so it absolutely can have an effect on the game. But I think these two teams, if it's just rain, I think the real big one that can really wreak havoc that we don't see a lot or talk about is actually wind. And we saw it last year when the Vikings came to Green Bay and actually won that game. But if it's just some rain, I think both these teams will be able to
1: handle it. 100%. Hundred percent. It looks like even the rain's gonna pick up later on Sunday. And obviously we're a few days out, so that could change. So it looks like we have a good gap there in between. You mentioned the wind, middle of the day, thirteen miles an hour, as it gets later in the day under ten miles an hour wind. So I think it's going to be a sl- it could be potentially a sloppy game um, but I think in that middle of that afternoon at 3:25 central start they should be sitting pretty pretty with a uh, at least a uh, somewhat overcast but maybe not too much precipitation coming down but enough of the weather talk you guys can uh, you know unskip ahead and actually start listening to what we got with Packers related news as Paul mentioned Got some news dump on Friday, unfortunately. Uh, around, I want to say it was about 1 o'clock, one thirty. the reports came out that Zadarius Smith, that back injury is a lot worse than we thought. And he is going under the knife, unfortunately. You hate to say <coughs> that. He's going to have back surgery on that back. And what we thought was maybe a minor tweak early August, mid-August has now turned into surgery, which tells you the extent of where that injury is, I think. I saw some reactions on Twitter, Paul. I don't know if you saw the same of people saying, you know, why didn't he take care of this right away? Why didn't he go under, the, you know, have surgery right away? And it's like, well, if you don't have to have surgery on your back, especially in, you know, where we are with modern medicine, I'm sure what the Packers have to their disposal, you probably were trying to get away with some alternative you know, orthoscopic or some sort of laser treatment, and it just it didn't work. I'm sure he tried everything under the sun, from everything that's you know legal, obviously within you know. I don't know if they can use CBD or if he's you got the chiropractor or maybe a medicine ball he's rolling on, but none of that worked. Unfortunately, Zadarius goes under the knife, and it doesn't sound too good, Paul. You said you saw Bill Huber had spoke about that and said you know this might be even worse than what the Packers are sugarcoating it as. Yeah,
2: so and when we saw. All the tweets, Mike Garofalo, Ian Rapoport of both of the NFL Network mentioned that, you know, the hope, and I'm sure that is the hope, is that get the surgery done with, you know, hopefully Z can return for late season or maybe the playoffs, hopefully what ends up being a playoff push for the Green Bay Packers. But Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated had an article out where he said uh, a source of his confirmed that Smiths uh, underwent the back surgery and that it's a hope at this point that he can return, but apparently the source said that that's not the expectation. So there is the very real possibility, folks, that Zadarius Smith has played his final snaps as a Green Bay Packer, because if we look ahead to the 2022 season, he comes with a cap hit of over $28 million. So regardless of what his back is like, or if he had played this season and had a monster year, the Packers were never going to allow him to play on his current contract because he wasn't going they weren't going to play with a 28 million dollar cap hit. They were either going to extend him, which would lower the cap hit, add years to his contract, or they were going to have to cut him or trade him. Well, now that extension option obviously it looks a lot less likely at this point, you know, from where we're standing. Things can change, you never know as they say anything can happen, but looks a lot less likely at this point uh, just because of the back injury as well as uh, the the money that's owed to him. So he very well could have played his last snaps uh, as a Green Bay Packer. And we talked about it the first episode when, or, uh, when Zedarius Smith first went to IR, that you never know with back injuries, man. They they can be even something that may seem minor, and maybe that's what this started out as, you know, because they held him out of practice throughout training camp. He even played week one. It was limited, but they still tried to get him to play. Even something that can start out as minor backs are so, so tricky that you never truly know what it might turn into and this might have turned into you know potentially a season ender or at least uh, you know it sounds like Z's going to miss a majority of the season at a minimum
1: yeah it's it's pretty unfortunate Zarya smith you know one of the three players in the nfl to register at least 12 12 or more sacks in each of the last two seasons others being aaron donald and someone that'll be at lambo tj watt this weekend so it sucks to see that it i can't even fathom this us just not seeing Zadaria Smith in a jersey again. And I kind of, you know, have to eat crow a little bit, thinking that maybe this offseason they could have got rid of Preston Smith, but thankfully he's kind of came around a little bit. And without Preston right now and Zadaria shut down, they'd be in an absolute mm-hmm. shitstorm of a front seven. So I'm glad that didn't happen. It's nice to have some depth that way, but. As we go forward, man, I I am I am pretty concerned. I think last week it might have been a little bit of an outlier versus the Niners. I think the pass rush looked really really good. If they can continue that without Z, that would be great. But you're still asking a lot of young guys in the inside, and we talk about this every week. Guys that are just like. You know, not really just all that superstars. We talked about TJ Slayton last week. Give him some snaps. Jack Heflin, he's questionable for this week. So it would be nice to see some of these younger guys get an opportunity. Unfortunately, they're not really outside exterior guys, and Zedarius was able to play both. Uh, Rayshon Gary can kind of do some of the same, and you hope they're able to figure it out as it proceeds, but those those spell snaps and those um, situational downs where maybe Z was better, or Rayshon was better, or Preston was better at certain things with their skill set, you don't really have that luxury anymore. You have to put those guys on the field more often, and if you don't, and they're only playing two snaps on a four-down situation, like well, then I don't really know what that gives you, because that, that turns into a Chauncey Rivers, that turns into some backups that you really don't want to see on the field. So, unfortunate, hopefully Z can get back sooner than later. It seems doubtful that he would be back this year. It, they didn't. Def, there's been no definitive thing saying that, so take it for a grain of salt. But it doesn't seem very promising if you're going under the knife that you'd be back in the next two and a half, three months um, at full strength. So, it, it would make more sense probably to shut him down. And I think that might dictate, Paul, if he plays this year, what the long-term... Situation is with the Green Bay Packers and Zedaria Smith. If he shows up in 2022, if they had shut him down the full year and they're going to work on a contract, maybe get him at a cheaper deal. We'll see what happens with that as we progress. But it's it's really unfortunate that they're just having another injury in the in the trenches for them. Now, for sure. yeah. Now we look at Kevin King. We look at MVS. Kevin King more than likely I would. He's doubtful for the game. I don't really foresee him playing. I I just think the way Eric Stokes has played, Shannon Sullivan's able to play as well. Those concussions are very, very dicey. I I don't see him on the field, Uh, but the one I did overpass here was N.V.S., who had been nursing the hamstring. He is officially out for Sunday's game, which I think is somewhat concerning. The stat sheet would tell you probably otherwise, but I think just the actual speed and straight line agility that, MVS has. It really opens up a lot of stuff for Devonta Adams and Robert Tanyan and company underneath. What do you think the impact of MVS being out is? Is it is it a, a few deep shots a game that they're going to be missing out on, Paul? Or is it really come down to stuff you don't see in the box score? Stuff that every single down, he is either running a dude down the field and taking a safety with him, or is it or someone else filling this role?
2: Yeah, and uh, MVS isn't just out Sunday. He's been placed on IR with that hamstring injury, so he's going to miss at least three games. Uh, that's the minimum a player has to be out. But you, you you said it perfectly. Obviously, the easy thing is that we see what he provides to the passing game with those deep shots. He's second on the team in targets this season behind Devontae Adams, so Aaron Rodgers has been looking his direction. I think I saw Zach Cruz of Packers Wire tweet out that MVS is tied with the NFL lead for most or he's either in the lead, he's up there in terms of targets of 20 yards or more. He has eight of them. The rest of the Packers team combined has eight of them. So obviously that's a big element that's missing, but you already mentioned it as well. It's what he, put that speed of his, that 4-3-7 speed, opens up for the other pass catchers in the passing game. There isn't another receiver on this roster who can bring this exact deep threat speed element that MVS can't. Now of course they have other big play threats. Devontae Adams, we've seen Lazard hit downfield, uh, Robert Tunyon as well. That doesn't I don't mean to say that there aren't any big play threats on this team anymore. Of course there are, but they don't bring that same dynamic speed ability that MVS does. And defenses respect that. Uh, they pay attention to where MVS is and where he's going, and that can absolutely open things up for his teammates. But another aspect. He's a pretty good run blocker as well. You look at any of those uh, runs that get to the outside, those wide receiver screens that are to his side of the field, him and Al Mazar, they are usually there holding their own very well in that, as Matt LaFleur calls it, that goon roll. So this is a big loss for the Green Bay Packers for the next couple of weeks, not just on the stat sheet what we see with those deep ball attempts, but uh, what he creates for his teammates as well as the blocking ability.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
3: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, the e-system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash wire to learn more and find a center near you.
1: And I kind of I kind of overlook MVS sometimes as a run blocker. I know like <laughs> mid-game, you'll be like, okay, you got a good block. But I always rely on or I kind of gravitate towards Alan Lazard just because, you know, height and weight. He's just a bigger guy, and it seems like he's always establishing his dominance because he really doesn't bring a whole lot to the receiving game as MVS does when that speed comes into play like MVS. It just kind of seems like he's a more dynamic player, but both of those guys, I mean, they can they can hold it down. Is is there anyone that you can you can think that can supplement this role or is it just going to kind of be a hodgepodge between Malik Taylor, uh, Alan Lazard, a little Tanya Neck? Is there anyone you can see kind of stepping up and taking a, some more of these snaps or is it just going to be kind of cobbled together?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be more relying on you know the group effort. Devonte Adams is going to continue to get a, a ton of targets, I assume. Uh, Robert Tunyon, Aaron Jones, they're also not or they've also been targeted, the third and fourth most on this team behind Adams and MVS. So those are the, the the guys that make this offense go in terms of the run game and the pass game. So they're still going to be the focal points. However, we may see more opportunities for Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. I believe they. each have four targets, five targets this season. So their roles might increase as well. Uh, We might see a little more Malik Taylor. I imagine Equinemius St. Brown is going to be called up off the practice squad during MVS absence. So it's going to be a group effort, but still Aaron Rodgers, this offense, they're going to lie on Aaron Jones, Tunyon, and Devontae Adams when it comes to the passing game for the most part.
1: And one last final thought on there. I really – I think I'm kind of in agreeance with you. Uh, I think EQ being brought up is something to pay attention to. I think back to the press conference after the game um, that Aaron Rodgers spoke about just trying to get Randall Cobb more involved. I don't know if that's a – you know, personal endeavor that he wants, or if that's actually a schematical thing that they're trying to do in that offense. So maybe he'll get a couple more snaps that way. Obviously, he has nowhere near the speed he once did, and probably was never as fast as uh, MVS would. But maybe that's another person to to open things up, or at least take stuff underneath but the packers offense will definitely be limited limited without mbs there that is for sure i think tanyan's gonna have to have a bigger role i think you know some, these rookies like kylan hill or amari rogers are gonna have to fill in somewhere i don't think they're gonna you know be able to be a plug-and-play guy because that's not the case at all i think kylan hill's been effective when he's gotten out there and amari rogers really hasn't gotten involved in the offense at all to be honest just returning punts for two yards or minus two yards so we look Uh, Still on the offensive side of the ball, Elton Jenkins, still with that ankle. He's doubtful for the game. I'm more optimistic that Elton might play over uh, Kevin King. Am I wrong for that thought, or should they just stick with Yoshin Nijman, who was impressive this last week? And we have to admit, Paul, you and I were like, hey – Maybe it's Dennis Kelly on right, Billy Turner on left. Maybe they flip-flop, do something like that. We were both wrong, and I think pleasantly surprised that Yoshinijimon stepped in. So, do they go with Yosh again this week, or does Elton come back into the fold?
2: I'm going to guess that both Elton and Kevin King are are out. Typically, when uh, guys do not participate any of the three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, rarely do you see them then in the game on Sunday. So, I imagine both Jenkins and King are going to be out, which means we're going to see more of Josh and more of Eric Stokes, and... I know we're all excited to see more of Eric Stokes on the field. He does deserve at this point to be cornerback too, even if Kevin King is healthy and available. But what the Kevin King, you know, not playing, this is, this already was a not very deep cornerback group. Um, we know Channon Sullivan's in the slot, Jair and Stokes are going to be out wide, but uh, if there's an injury or just in terms of, if they need to get other guys on the field, Shamar John Charles, slot corner rookie out of Appalachian State. I mean, he had a rough preseason. Uh, If he had to step in and play some slot snaps, I'd be a little bit nervous. Um, Isaac Yadam, uh, another cornerback, the the guy that they traded for when they uh, got rid of Josh Jackson. You know, he struggled in coverage during his time in the NFL. This isn't a very deep cornerback group. so i know kevin king's had his issues obviously but he's someone that you can put out there someone who has nfl experience and someone that we've all seen i know it can be forgotten about but someone that we have seen make plays so the the cornerback room in general just takes a, a hit the depth does without king in there even though i know we're all uh, want to see more of eric stokes in that cornerback two role and when it comes to yash i mean Man, credit to him. He did a fantastic job. And I tweeted this out. One of my favorite things from this past week was all the little stories you heard about Yash from his teammates. I know Devontae, Mercedes Lewis had some, uh, Adam Stenovich, Matt LaFleur. There are all these little stories that came out about him from his teammates and coaches. And he's kind of been a mystery these last few years. We know who he was because of the athleticism we always heard about, the potential that he always has. But it was nice this week obviously getting to see him in action but just to get a little peek behind the curtain of who he is as a person and based on what we've heard it sounds like he's just the nicest most humble just a terrific individual a guy that you want on your team absolutely from that standpoint so i thought that that was really cool to see but against this pittsburgh pass rush um, we'll get to it here shortly but tj watt's going to play alex highsmith is going to play They have Melvin Ingram. They are another, you know, that's another strong pass rush group that the Green Bay Packers' young offensive line is going to have to be up against. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar approach that they took against San Francisco. We read about it this week. We saw it during the game, having Lewis into Chip on Bosa, Robert Tunyon doing the same thing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he got the ball quick, man. Pro football focus, his average time to throw was 2.04 seconds. I think typically for the season, Rodgers has been around two and a half, two point six. 2.6. I mean, half a second it doesn't sound like much, but that's a really long time in the NFL, especially for a pass rusher. And if a quarterback's getting the ball out at about the two-second mark, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but rarely does it matter how quickly you beat your blocker because it's almost nearly impossible to get to the quarterback in that amount of time. So I would expect more of the quick passing game more chips to help out Yash and uh, Billy Turner because they are going to be up against another uh, stout pass rush.
1: Hell yeah. And, you know, we we were, I guess, you know, finding out more about Yosh this week was awesome. Definitely a gentle giant. Sounds like a big teddy bear dude. And like, I, I, <laughs> I imagine he will have some opportunities again this week it'll be interesting to see too and we all you know to to our credit though we were completely wrong about who they play at left tackle but we did say hey if they're going to win this game they got to get the ball out quick and statistically he got it out very fast i mean that is extremely quick and that half a second is quite a bit so you mentioned the defense right tj watt was a full go today at practice for the pittsburgh steelers you know, Melvin Ingram was a guy they brought in this last offseason. They still have Casey Hayward. They have these big dudes in up front that can definitely cause some havoc. So do you th- – I guess is your expectation for them to go in and kind of – that being the Green Bay Packers – after like the second and third drive, what they did with this offensive line, kind of do more of the Mercedes Lewis chipping or tining? Or do you think they give Yosh an opportunity to say, hey, can he handle himself one-on-one because – for me, I, I look at the the front seven of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the, the the Niners. I think they're both probably a top five front seven. I think they're really, really good at athletically, especially off the edges. Do you think they even make that an opportunity for Yosh to prove himself? Or do they just say, you know, screw it, we're going to chip, we're going to see if we can get TJ Watt or whoever else moving around? Or do you think they give it an opportunity for Yosh right away?
2: Um, He'll see snaps on his own. He did against the Niners. They can't chip every player for the entire game, but we'll see what happens. But I imagine that he's still going to get his share of help. This is still only a second career start. TJ Watt is an absolute game wrecker if given the opportunity, or he'll create the opportunity, I should say, to do just that. So I imagine there's going to be – You know, a similar treatment as they did with Bosa, as they're going to do to Watt, just to try to limit what he can do. So the chips, the quick passing game, and again, running the ball. We talked about that last week, that that's, you know, you you mitigate a pass rush, you find a way to run the ball successfully, because then you don't get the pass rush opportunities. And that's also just an important part to the overall success of this offense. As I mentioned last week, we saw against Detroit, we saw against San Francisco, the how different this offense looks when Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon are getting 25, 25 plus carries per game versus when this offense is one dimensional. Even with Aaron Rodgers, this offense cannot be successful if they are one dimensional like that. So run the ball, chip on a TJ Watt, quick passing game. I imagine it's going to be a similar formula to last week.
1: Hell yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think Like you said, you can't chip them every single time, but once they started doing that, you can see after the first drive or two where they started helping out, it it made an immense difference in that game. So I hope that is still an option for the Packers. You look also still on that defense, like we mentioned, um, TJ Watt is a full go. No real injuries on that defensive front, other than I guess Carlos Davis is a backup D tackle. He's gonna be out. So relatively healthy on the defensive side for them coming in. I'm uh, you know, I think the Steelers defense is fantastic. I believe last week they broke their seventy five streak rec- seventy five game streak record of getting a sack in every game. Uh lo and behold, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, actually somehow didn't give up a sack, which is kind of shocking, especially after watching a Thursday night football game of what they had versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's get to the offensive side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chase Claypool is questionable, big receiver. They have also an offensive lineman, their starting offensive tackle, uh, Chukwuma Okorov. Ah, see, I thought I was going to get it. It's... (laughs) Okarafor. We're gonna go with that. This, I honestly I think their edges suck. I don't I, I think their their tackles have are, are pretty shitty, to be honest. Trey Turner, I think, is a decent guard. Also, Kevin Dotson's solid guard. They don't obviously don't have pouncy there anymore. He's been gone for a little bit. So does it really matter the offensive line that they have rolling out, even if it is a another backup tackle with the way that Big Ben's been playing? I mean, he looked absolutely atrocious this last couple weeks and it has carried over from last year. He's, he's stagged in the pocket. Is there, is there anything in this offense that, that worries you, the run game, the receivers at least is, are you concerned at all, Paul going into Sunday's matchup?
2: Well, we saw this, you mentioned that the Green Bay Packers defensive front had a very nice performance against San Francisco, I think 22 pressures. They were good against the run. They're going to have the opportunity to build off of that performance against the Steelers offensive line, which is might be the worst in football. Uh, they just drafted Najee Harris out of Alabama in the first round, but as a unit, the running backs are only averaging 3.2 yards per carry. That's the worst in football right now. Big Ben, he's getting the ball out of his hands the second quickest rate among quarterbacks because he has to. <laughs> they are dialing up quick passes to get the ball out of his hands because, again, this this offensive line is struggling to hold up against pass rushes. So this should be, even without Zadarius Smith, another opportunity for this Packers defensive front to... You know, build off of last week's performance, as I said. But even though Najee Harris has struggled in the run game, and not him specifically, it's tough to run when your guys aren't blocking for you. Uh, keep our, we need to keep our eyes on him in the passing game. He had 19 targets, 19 targets last week alone. Uh, caught 14 of them for 102 yards. So it's going to be important for again our Packer linebackers, Devondre Campbell, who has uh, really taken uh, a number of fans by surprise with his play. He is just always around the football. He's leading the team in total tackles, and we know that that can be a hollow stat. We've seen that from Packer linebackers in the past. Tackle totals don't always mean a whole lot. But with Devondre Campbell, he is around the football. He's given up 15 receptions this year, but his pass catchers only, they're averaging less than five yards per catch. Again, he's around the football. He's going to need to do that again this week. Chris Barnes for the Packers, he left last week's game with a concussion. He's questionable, Uh, was a limited participant in practice last two days. Hopefully he's going to be able to go because, again, this linebacker unit against Najee Harris, especially in the passing game, filling the run, that's going to be important. And there is, as we saw, there's a there's a drop off in talent going from Chris Barnes to Ty Summers or Oren Burke. So hopefully they can go. And then uh, Chase Claypool as well. Big Ben, I mean, you mentioned that he is – this is not the Big Ben of past years, folks. His arm is not the same as it used to be. He has three interceptions already. But Chase Claypool, he has been one of his favorite targets. We've seen him make some fantastic plays during his NFL career. So just someone as well to keep our eyes on.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I think last week even Deontay Johnson was out. (laughs) He's a go this week. So you have Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. If Claypool goes and Deontay and Juju, who are both – you know, battling through injuries, they were full participants on Friday. If they're fully healthy, I do think there are some matchup issues there, especially if Kevin King's. Um, not playing with that concussion. I think that's a, a problem. I wonder too, I after those 19 targets of last week, I wonder how much that influenced the, uh you know, Ben Roethlisberger, that stat, getting the ball out of his hand. But I think <laughs> that's the only way they can win, right? They have to get the ball out of his hand or do a, you know, almost like a max protect, throw it up the Claypool, let him go get it. Deontay Johnson, I think he's kind of a deep ball guy. Juju's kind of, you know, that underneath slot dude, uh, short yardage. So, I don't really see. I think I think Najee Harris is a great player. I think it's unfortunate that he's a rookie and I think he's got the highest usage rate now out of all the running backs in the league. If I saw that stat correctly, like that's that's a lot to be putting on a rookie running back in an offense that frankly has not a great offensive line, has a 39 year old quarterback, and really in a in a first year offense with Matt Canada with the uh, you know as being the offensive coordinator, he was the quarterback coach the, the previous year like it's just a tough tough spot for the Steelers to be honest like they they have to rely on this offense or excuse me this defense in the special teams unit so much that I just don't think you know unless they really blow the doors off on defense or special teams I don't see how they can win this game even if they are completely healthy I I expect the Packers pass rush to get after them um, You mentioned the Niners game last week. I think the Niners have a really good offensive line. Steelers definitely being in the bottom five. So I would expect, even without a Zedaria Smith, them to be able to get the pocket, have Kenny Clark blow some people up like he did last week, get those guys off the edges flying around. And I expect a Packers victory. Is there anything else you're looking at, Paul? I mentioned special teams. Is that concern you at all? Chris is pretty damn solid. I think they always – I feel like Steelers always are first – Forcing turnovers or at least making some big plays in the special teams game. Anything we got to look at for that as we get down to uh, the 325 game. Uh, one
2: other thing I wanted to add about the receivers because you mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned them: Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, that's a that's a really nice trio. But if the Green Bay Packers are able to stop the run against this Steelers team that has struggled without having to do a lot of extra, if their defensive front can handle it, even with a strong trio of receivers. That makes life easier for the secondary. Knowing that it's going to be or knowing that your defensive front on their own can handle the run, you know, you're able to devote more men to taking away those guys in the passing game. So that is a good group of receivers, but something to keep in mind as well is that if this Packers front can win on their own, slow the run game, it's going to make the Steelers one dimensional. The Packers aren't going to have to necessarily devote Devondre Campbell or Chris Barnes to playing closer to line of scrimmage to help in the run game as often, so that can play a factor as well. Uh, but when it comes to special teams, I'm just hoping that the Green Bay Packers don't give up uh, another big return. They seem to be, I hope they're, they seem to be at least trending in the right direction. I know that that was a backbreaker before halftime last week, but if you've listened to or read any of the quotes from Maurice Drayton, the special teams coach, the one thing I'll say is. He seems like a guy that you would absolutely play for. Just the energy, uh, he's, he's a quote machine. He has a ton of one-liners that I've absolutely loved so far. So he seems like a guy that can rally the troops, can that the guys would go out there and want to play for. And two really cool stories that came out about the special teams unit quick. Last week after they gave up that big return, Al Nazard went up to Drayton and said, put me in, because we can't have that happening. Put me in. And then this week, Maurice Drayton also talked about how Devondre Campbell doesn't have to, he's not expected to, but he sat in on every special teams meeting this year. And then when Chris Barnes left the game last week with a concussion, it was Devondre Campbell who stepped in in his place. He's been in the meetings, he's prepared, he's ready. So I absolutely loved hearing those two stories. And I think that, I know, it's tough seeing the the big return given up, especially with the you know the history that the Packers special teams unit has. But I, I like to think that they're trending. In the right direction. Oh, one other story as well. The 49ers special teams coach on that kickoff after they scored and took the lead, he said that they booted it through the end zone because they were they were nervous about kicking it to Kylan Hill. Again, when's the last time Green Bay's had you know a returner, a kick returner who actually put a little bit of fear into the opposing special teams unit? So you got guys like Dad who are willing Lazard, Vondre Campbell to step in. You got Kylan Hill on kick return. Maurice Drayton, uh guy who brings the energy. I, I think that they're headed in the right direction. Oh, and we have a punter.
1: We do have a punter. We do have a punter. But Horquiz is pretty damn solid, man. He's he has got that that accurate boot. And I think he's put those things together, and it's awesome that he's he's our punter at this point. Uh I miss I I I think the Lazard story was very, very common. I didn't hear about the Devondre Campbell one. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Like I think Devondre Campbell is, it it, it finally took I think a primetime game for him to be a little bit highlighted for the Packers and to have you know a good outing and for them people to be like, hey, this is this is another dude. Like you said, could be a shell of just being a, you know a high tackler, but I think just the energy and the veteran presence he's been bringing to this team is is fantastic. And obviously guys like you know guys like Devondre Campbell are playing for a dude like Mo Drayton, and that's fantastic to see. So. Let's get into some predictions. The first prediction I have, though, Paul, I'm going to ask you. Two and a half times, over or under, that they mentioned the T.J. Watt-Kevin King <laughs> uh, potential, uh, I guess, draft. Do you think that happens in this broadcast, or is that going to be more of a Twitter thing blowing up throughout the, the game?
2: That's a good question. If Kevin King was playing, you smash the over every single time. But he's not playing, so his name might not come up more than in the beginning. However... I'm still gonna go
1: with the over. Got it, right? I love it. I love it. I yeah. You almost have to like. I don't know if I need to be Jim proven Nance. wrong first. Yeah, I don't know if Jim Nance, Tony Rome are gonna bring it up, but it it'll definitely make its way at least one time. Like they'll show Kevin King on the sideline after you know T.J. Watt has a sack or at least some crazy play. Um, so yeah, you, you say you're smashing the over. I like that. Speaking of odds, the Packers are favored by six and a half points as of now. I think that's a reasonable score. I think the Packers are definitely uh, able to score more than seven points. I think it could potentially be a two-score game. Right now, I have the prediction. um, I'm going with 28-14. That might be a little bit low for the Steelers. I just don't feel overly confident. I think they maybe squeak another field goal in there. But I'm going to stick with 28-14. Packers get another W. Um, I went with that prediction yesterday on the Final Dump podcast via Game on Wisconsin. This was obviously that was recorded before Zedarius, or excuse me, that was recorded before MVS was officially out. Um, Zedarius has been out, all these other injuries, so I I, I don't know if that impacts it all too much, but I'm going to go 28-14. Paul, where are you falling on this week four matchup for the Green Bay Packers?
2: So I have the Green Bay Packers winning this one. I'll go 27-17. So we've heard talk about You know, coming off that huge win against the Niners, and then possibly this being a letdown game. Now, of course, that talk hasn't been amongst the Packers, but those on the internet, Twitter sphere, all that stuff. I I actually tend to think it's going to be the opposite. I think that that game was, to quote Aaron Rodgers from a few years ago, the galvanizing moment. I think that they're going to go on a little run right here, uh, just because Rodgers talked about it. Every year, a team, no matter how many of the same players you bring back, they need to learn how to win. I think that that was their moment for them, that energy. And I think that carries over to this week. They're also going up against the Steelers, like we talked about, an offensive line that's really struggling. The game of football has changed a lot over the years, but it's cliche. But ultimately, games are still won and lost in the trenches. I think the Green Bay Packers will able to control the trenches on the defensive side of the ball offensively. It's not going to be as easy. Like I said, TJ Watt, they have some strong edge rushers there. But we saw last week Green Bay come up with a formula to slow down Nick Bosa, uh, Eric Armstead, and some other you know Niners pass rushers as well. So I'm, I, I believe that they can do that again. They're also the home team. I'm going to take the Packers, like I said,
1: 27-17. I like that. I'm staying cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I don't think it's a letdown game. I think, like you said, galvanizing moment for the Packers last week. I think a lot of fans went in pretty nervous, especially with Elton Jenkins not playing. They look damn good, man. They really, really did, and I hope they can carry that into this home crowd and get some momentum. So we'll see what happens. I think the Packers get this W. Uh, hopefully they limit the turnovers because I think that's the only way the the Steelers have an opportunity. I think the the special teams unit will have to make something happen also for the Steelers, but... Let's just limit the mistakes and come up with another win and head into week five versus the Bengals. You can find Packaday podcast on Google, Apple music, Google podcasts, Spotify, anchor FM. You can still ask Alexa, as Andy says, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. Andy's still on YouTube, putting out the daily video series, which has been fantastic. He's had some really great guests on recently. Uh, you can find me on Twitter still at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M A T T underscore F R A underscore. You can find Jason Perone, who was not unfortunately with us today, at Jason P E R O N E on Twitter. Paul, where can everyone find you and all the work you're doing?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, That's B R E T L. And then you can find all my work at Dareland Express and Cheesehead TV.
1: Paul, I hope we get to record next week with Jason, uh, barring any setbacks in both of all three of our personal lives. It should be a great, great game uh, for the Packers this weekend. I will actually be there. I'm pretty excited to get that. Hopefully I don't get too wet when I'm out there, but you know, a couple of adult beverages usually calms whatever sort of weather <laughs> is situations true. going around me. So for Paul Brettel, Jason Perone, I am Matt Fralick. You guys stay well. Be safe. If you're watching the game, enjoy the game. If you're there, come say hi to me. But for everyone in Packer Nation, our friends from Norway, Canada, and beyond, as always, Go Pack Go!